Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Uh, I'm doing all right. I uh, am wondering if we're in a simulation at present. Yes. Flying through the galaxy, playing a game, all of it. Sort of, uh, I quite like the simulation theory. I think it's a, it's a solid theory for why things happen. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense yeah. to me at times. We're playing the uh, the the fascist module. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am quite that. I've the last ten, like ten years has <laughs> sort of like brought me around to this idea that there are overlords going. I wonder what happens if we just do this. Let's throw in a throw in a crazy person to run the country, not your country, mine too. And then, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're going to move up. We are what we're talking about. Uh, Black Mirror. We're on to season four. We're starting kicking off season season four, and we're going to be jumping aboard the USS Callista. Captain Robert Daly presides over his crew with wisdom and courage, but a new recruit will soon discover nothing on the spaceship is what it seems, which is such a <laughs> no. Doesn't tell you anything kind of uh, blurb. So I apologise, but that's what it says on. I'm using IMDb. So anyway, let's start then. Uh, USS Callista, Julian. What are your thoughts on this episode? Early thoughts. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. Um, it definitely has plot holes. Um, mm. It definitely, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it and, and tear it to pieces. Um, but I remember this as kind of my favorite episode of, of those that I had seen, which sort of include this and the next episode. And that's where I stopped in a watch mm. with a friend of mine. Um, and Upon reviewing it, I was equally charmed by it, equally taken by it. Um, but I have a lot of questions. There are definitely yeah. plot holes, and I and there are definitely a lot of themes that are brought up. Uh, what was your response? It's 50-50 for me. Um, there are some really cool, I you know, moments, and and I think you know the again like the the level of production in this is fantastic. Like there's moments in this, I was like, well, I was really wowed. The, but the other half is very much, as you say, not so much plot holes, but it's like, oh, we're gonna we're getting another angry incel story of doing something. Okay, like you know, it's this. this there's so many tropes in this series where it's just like you know, technology and angry incel. Um, and I think what well, the problem is because it's sort of because of that. It then makes me a little bit more frustrated and annoyed with the the the, the like the technology side because <laughs> then I'm just like D- DNA doesn't you can't pull that information from DNA that's not how that works and then you've got eight was it like seven people aboard that ship each one is an independent um, AI for all intents and purposes that's a lot of computing power 
but apparently it's perfectly acceptable on a locked off system. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is all quite true. The DNA thing is especially egregious, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, perhaps we could uh, just establish that you know we find out over the course of the episode uh, that uh, Robert Daly, who is sort of the chief technical officer at the mm-hmm. Callister company that has is running this game that you sort of plug into it's sort of a virtual reality game very complex um has been stealing his co-workers dna and creating a copy of them complete with memories of course as yeah. sci-fi memories, always does this memories up to the point yeah. of where he took the dna from which you know th- mm-hmm. that really bothered me to be honest <laughs> but yes yeah I kind of take it as sort of like a sci-fi trope that annoys me. And and it could have been, you know, we often say it could like a line of dialogue would go miles just in terms of like, well, you work for the company. We have scans of your brains, you know, like one shot and a mm. line of dialogue basically would explain that. But yeah, that is an especially stupid thing that yeah. we keep seeing in science fiction. <laughs> Yeah, that's not how cloning works. That's not how AI works. It's not how DNA works. Yes, so there is that. I agree. Um, and then obviously they say there's this whole inner world. Now the game, there's a game called Eve. Is it? There's like a sp- space exploration, like a, something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of them actually. And that's obviously well, his game is called Infinity, isn't it? But like, I think it's a take on. I think it's a game called Eve. Um, okay. which is quite famous, which apparently is very, very good. And it's sort of like free roaming kind of space exploration. You can build yourself up, like you start, you know, with a small ship and you can trade and work your way up. Um, mm. So I, I kind of like all that stuff because it feels, yeah, like cool. He works for a tech company that this is what their thing is. It's an online gaming platform that everyone plays on. That's how they make their money because of all the small, <clears throat> the small transactions or the, you know, those transactions, people buying stuff. Um, and I can imagine, like, you know, you would, as a chief technical officer, you would have a locked off version, your development area, where you're going to, you you know, your sandpit, as it were, that you can try out new things, try out new codes, try out new ideas and stuff before it goes out to production. So, again, I'm, I'm comfortable with all that as the ideas. <clears throat> it's, um, it's some of the characters that start to sort of like not irk me as well. I'm actually, I actually kind of like all the characters. Mm-hmm. What what I was curious. About, let me put it this way. Okay, so let me put it to you. So the, 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 Robert Daly is the. It's this thing of like the creepy nerd. That yeah. that, that sort of I was a bit like oh this feels a little, and I know we've said about this. It, we've you know we've mentioned about incels before, and I think it sort of it touches on this in the even in Black Mirror. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it feels too sort of. Is it too um, broad brush? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I sort of give it a little bit of a pass because I mean, I don't know that it's really an incel guy. Like he he seems kind of a more of a stereotype to me of like a nerd personality. Mm. Like you know, obviously. And we should say he's played by Jesse Plemons, you know, who played Todd in Breaking Bad, who has that kind of like creepy demeanor. You can see why he was cast for this. Yeah. And the CEO is uh, Jimmy Simpson, Jimmy Simpson. From, um, 
It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and mm. first season of Westworld. Um, and, you know, so obviously uh, the CEO is sort of the more gregarious player type. And Jesse Plemons is the, you know, nerdy type who's super into Star Trek, you know, of oh. Space Fleet here. They have like what looks like Mike Alred uh, comics art, you know, uh, they, everywhere um, to represent, um, you know, the comic books for Space Fleet. Um, mm. And, you know, so that's all fun. It's, you know, it's fun to sort of do that. I, I sort of see him more as the sort of nerdy type who's like a little more um, introverted. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sort of shy with girls, that kind of thing, which is a stereotype. But I'm willing to kind of give it a bit of a pass because it works for me. Mm. No, that's fine. I think the thing is because it plays out this thing of like, um, yeah, there's the nerdy type. So let's let's be clear. There are two realities in this in this episode. There is the let's call it the, you know um, there's the office, you know the the office reality. And then there is the Callista reality, which is the ship, the sort of the the game Infinity. Um, within that, like I say, he's he's nerdy, he's introverted, he's a little awkward, um, and you know, but he is clearly like the tech genius behind this kind of thing. Like he does the 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 majority of the programming and and runs the the development team. Um, but what what's interesting is it's sort of. There is an introversion, but it clearly shows that like people are not mean to. It's not that mean. They're just sort of dismissive of him a little bit. Like you know, they they mm-hmm. do sort of take him for granted. So and I'm not trying to justify. I'm not justifying his <laughs> his power fancy because in the Callista, then this sort of drives him to have this power fancy of basically being Captain Kirk. I mean, let's be clear. The USS Callista is clearly Star Trek. It's a it's an old mm-hmm. and it's original series Star Trek. Like this is, um. He has a Kirk fantasy, and there's all this thing about him being adored by his crew and all this other stuff, and it's a power fantasy. And at first, it feels like a you. I thought you know it plays like they could be like NPCs, or mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? The people around him are just there. He's like, oh, okay. Well, I've built this one to look like the staff, but it's an NPC. It just does a set number of things, or it reacts to things. And then you learn later on there are actually versions including consciousness as a full replication of their their office reality consciousness has, is brought into this game and he has godlike powers uh, to manipulate that reality and uses it to force them and coerce them into playing along with his fantasy well so so let's back up and just say that and I, I'll have some thoughts on this, but let's back up and just say that, like, it starts amazingly well, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It starts with inside the game, although you don't know it at the time. It basically starts as like a mini Star Trek episode, as mm. you know, they destroy the bad guy's ship and let him get away, and then you know they sort of sing for he's a jolly good fellow, and he kisses yeah. both <laughs> female crew, and, and you know, it's not really until that end, sort of celebration of him. That you sort of think, okay, that's over Weird. the top. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, until then, it's just a fun sort of like mini Star Trek episode. Brilliant special effects. I mean, this looks And the great. set design. The set design is ace. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And, and, yeah. and it looks like 
Star Trek, the the uh, Abrams movie. Like mm. it's like just so well done. Um, and let's also remember, like this came out as Discovery's first season is coming out. So like yeah. this is coming out after a uh, drought of Star Trek stuff. Obviously, like Galaxy Quest, you know, is probably the the closest predecessor to this um, as a sort of parody of Star Trek. But um, you know, and and then obviously, uh, what what is the one we we both like? That's um, Seth MacFarlane's. Um, oh, the Orville. The Orville. Yeah. So mm. the Orville is like uh, around the same time. So this is kind of this like weird moment in 2017 where like so it's like Star Trek's back, baby. Um, but I think that this one is sticks with me. And and I so first of all, I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan. So just seeing this is just like, <laughs> oh my god, I get yeah. I get you know a whole another take on Star Trek, you know, from this sort of like deconstructive lens that I don't think Star Trek has really often been seen through. Right? Star Trek hasn't had its sort of you know Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, you know, deconstruction, and Galaxy Quest is kind of like a loving parody. Um, and I and I like it, but um, well, I'm sure we'll cover it someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, this is sort of like an unprecedented deconstructive look at Star Trek with a with a really negative eye yeah. uh, toward what's really going on. And I love that stuff. I you know, and so often we talk about these fantasies of these action movies and these sci fi movies, and we talk about how they're sort of male fantasies mm-hmm. and what they're playing to. And this just takes that and like lays it bare in a really brutal way. No, I agree. It's funny to talk about it because I agree. Like, I do think I say everything in this. I got, the one thing I also want to shout out is the entire cast of this episode are also great. This is one of the. F- There's been episodes where I'm like I'm you know hot on one person, cool on another, or like. But this is one where like across the board, I'm like everyone's really good in this, and like they're funny and when they need to be, but they also play the roles like everyone's really solid in this um one of the things that's that's really interesting i i for something else that we're doing uh, i recently read the um gene roddenberry written novelization of star trek the 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 motion picture and in that like there's an entire sort of bit at the beginning of the entire chapter that precedes the film in which um roddenberry's trying to sort of unkirkify kirk (laughs) Mm. There's a whole bit where he's like, oh, yeah, well, there's a legend and then there's the real man. Like, you know, there's this thing of, of like, you know, he's been built up as this person, but by these legendary stories. But, you know, he's not that kind of person. And it's, I think, even in, in 1980, like, where we're like, well, sorry, 79. So, so even in those late 70s, I think Roddenberry was a bit like, OK, I get that we're like, you know, we were, we've gone a little far with Kirk and we need to pull him back. But this is going like this is clearly looking at it as you say from that lens and going like no, like you know like we we should go further because that's the satire that's what this is all about, um, and it is done well it's done incredibly well, um, and, you say, well, I think and as you go on. well as you say it plays into the sort of like Kirk you know and sort of like this is my ship and we think about like how Roddenberry didn't want Shatner originally mm-hmm. you know the studio forced Shatner on Roddenberry after that first the cage pilot because they wanted more punchy punchy you know they wanted the you know charming leading man who could be on Gunsmoke or something um and so 
this really gets at that that way that it's very common to Star Trek, uh, where you know it really is the captain ship. Mm. He's the main character. You know, really, Spock and McCoy were accessories. You know, um, and and you know, I mean, nobody really. I shouldn't say nobody, right? But I mean, nobody fantasizes about like I'm going to be the ensign in engineering. You know? <laughs> like everybody <laughs> imagines they're going to be the captain, right? And and have these wonderful adventures, um, where they're defying Starfleet orders and kind of doing what they want and this sort of cowboy diplomacy of the original series. Um, yeah. So and I yeah. think this really just tears that apart. Oh yeah, but uh, it made me think when I was watching it because obviously it is a game. It's a it's a computer. I mean, obviously this is technology, so it's within a computer game. But one of the things this made me think about and made me wonder about was like um, LARPing or like you know, there's live action role play games where again, you know, people. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay anybody, but like they're playing a role. They're playing a fantasy role. Like you know, they're like, okay, we're going to play this game, and I'm going to be a barbarian or a wizard or a, you know, a thief or, you know, what the rogue. I, I don't mean, you know, I'm not a big Dungeons and Dragons guy or those things. I don't know, but that's, I've seen these things and it's very much about fulfilling that thing that you can't do in real life, um, mm-hmm. which becomes that sort of fancy. So it can be, you know, productive and it can be, because I think there's a transparency, at least when you're doing LARPing, like you're out in the open and you're like, yeah, we're doing it. And, you know, we're all involved and everybody's sort of consenting. Um, and so there is that kind of fantasy where you're part of a group. Um, like you said, the thing about this one, though, is the isolation of it, isn't it? Like you've said, this is the captain's ship. This is It's not just the captain's ship in this one, though, is it? Like the Callista. This is the captain's world, the captain's reality. Um and that because if it was just sort of like I'm going to play my version of the captain and we're going to go on space adventures and stuff, then I'd be like, yeah, fine. It's a kind of a dull episode because it's just the thing. But as you said, the, the darker side is the twist. As it turns out, is um, that he has this control over the reality, and that's where it starts to get like the dark. Because the first bits, you sort of think of him as sort of like, oh, is he's fine? He's just like you say, he's just playing out a fantasy, like you know. Um, it's when you learn the control that it starts to become a little, not a little, a lot creepy. Well, uh, I'll, I'll have some thoughts on this, but you know, to catch viewers up to speed, um, the the new woman who works at the uh, Callister Company, um, you know, clearly is interested in him, um, if not sexually, at least in terms of his coding, right? Well, she respects he's, him. She 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, he is. A, she he's like a bit of hero worship, I think. Even mm-hmm. so, mm. yeah. And and uh, the uh, chief executive officer sort of swoops in and sort of, you know, cock blocks and you know, uh, yeah. you know, tries to give her the show around the office and sort of puts uh, um, Robert Daly down. And then he overhears a conversation between um, two coworkers. Um, uh, including Nanette, this new girl, a uh, new woman, uh, who then says, oh, no, and she sort of retreats and says, well, I, I don't like him that way. I don't. It's not that I fancy him. Um, and instead of just saying, well, she's saying this to a co-worker uh, who clearly doesn't respect Daly, um, 
you know, she's sort of maybe backpedaling. This doesn't, you know, I should befriend her and be nice to her. And, you know, maybe it could turn into something. If not, that's okay. Uh, instead, he so- seems as if, like, in that moment, he sort of gives up and is like, yeah, I'm adding her to the simulation, you know. Uh, I There I have power. Here I don't know what to do. Well, I think, yeah, you're right, because it is that moment. Because not only does she backpedal, um, the other co-worker sort of um, describes him in creepy, creepy ways too. She says, oh, yeah, he's a bit starey. You know, like... You'll mm. catch him just staring at you, and it's you know, well, it gives me the the ick, is what she sort of says. So, which is again, and again, you can sort of see that this this Nanette, this new worker, she's trying to sort of ingratiate herself into the environment. That you know, it's clearly like even if she's backpedaling, she may not really believe it. Like you know, she's actually mm-hmm. just going to say, okay, well, I've got to get on with my co-workers. And common sense says I'm more likely to be working with these people than the chief technical officer. I've got to get on, and I think that's a you know, again, that's a fair thing where you could, you know, you could have that assessment. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting, like you say, it's that thing of retreating back to the to the the virtual reality to the game. And as you said, like it could just, you could just be like, oh well, you know, at least I can try and, you know, I'll try and talk to her tomorrow, or we'll see what happens. So like, again, not looking for advances, but like at least I can be civil and courteous, and you know, if she's interested in the code, then cool, she'll be good at a job, and I can. We can talk about that, whatever. Um, like you say, it's it, it feels more than that. This is that thing of like fear of rejection, isn't it? That sort of like, uh, and it's not said in the show. It's sort of, a, I suppose it's sort of implied is that this isn't the first time he's probably tried to make an advance in the office or at some of the, you know, maybe at a Christmas party or something. And it's gone awry or he's been sort of, he's been humiliated in some way. And as you said, sort of like so that that defense or that sort of like that instinct to to retreat is a is much mm. much closer to you know, oh, okay. Well, you know, one fail is I'm off rather than persistence. Um. So again, it's everything so far is like okay, it's not good, but like he's not really hurting anybody in the real world. They all think he's a little creepy, but they also know he sort of does he's good at his job. He just sits in his office mm-hmm. and leaves everyone alone. Um. Yeah, and then you start to say, then you see him take something from the bin. He takes her coffee cup from the bin, mm-hmm. um, and swaps. <laughs> this is where it took me a moment to realize what was going on. <laughs> he takes a swab from that, puts it into the machine, a scanner, a, sc- so a scanner, three like D printer. Yeah. yeah, and then that converts that DNA information into a digital version of Nanette in a um, skimpy-ish sort of blue uh, Callista uniform. So I don't know if you're aware of this, Scott, but uh, COVID is a myth um, put through by the One World Order government in order to control us, and also spit contains memories. Yes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, okay. So, yeah, I'm joking, but it is really stupid. But we've seen this a million times, right? I've seen it you before, know? and I've hated it before. It's, but <laughs> This is that thing, though, that, like... And we've talked about this with a few of the things in Black Mirror, where I'm like, yes, but people... Look, if, if this had happened in a blockbuster, right? If this 
and I'm sure it probably has. If this happened in a Marvel film, right, or any other, you know, big sci-fi, if this happened in a Star Trek episode or a Star Trek film, and I get this is a satire, so, I'm, you know, I get that, people would be all over it. Oh, this is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's so stupid. But because it's in Black Mirror, which people think, you know, it's, it's high satire and all this other stuff, like, you know, it gets a pack. It doesn't even get mentioned. I couldn't find anyone's ever sort of said, oh, well, that's a bit silly. And I'm, yeah, it's a plot device, but it's a stupid plot device. Like, it's a lazy plot device to me. Like you said, there are much other ways where you can be like, you can find out that he takes, like, you know, oh, the office is laced with scanners and, you know, mm, you've had to do right. all this other stuff to join the company. Like, it. it, it... You're okay. So you're 100% correct. Let's talk about your point there, which is. You know, it's come up as we've discussed Black Mirror. One of the most difficult things with Black Mirror is dealing with its fandom and its reception. Yeah. And the fact that it is sort of seen as like such a smart show. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of episodes that are very smart and have, mm-hmm. you know, you know, very cool ideas and, you know, are exploring things. But even those episodes are, uh, are commonly, uh, have really stupid, I shouldn't say filled with, but have really stupid, dumb stuff. Um, and you can say, yeah, well, that's just a trope. It's interested in exploring other things. But as we both pointed out, this could be easily solved, right? Yes. This is just dumb. Um, and so you're right. There's a double standard there. I mean, I will say that when you say people would be up in arms about this. Well, people like you and me, right? right? I mean, um, you know, I, I recently saw uh, Oppenheimer and leaving the theater, I heard people say, well, that sounds like a uh, that felt like I'm reading a history book, you know, and, yeah. you know, I, I mean, <laughs> let's not forget, you know, the average film goer, you know, is, is not sort of, you know, mm. smart critic in this way and, and wants some punchy punchy. And, and they're they just think Marvel is is. Marvel movies are brilliant. Yeah, um, but I'm not, I'm not putting. Right. Us, I mean, yeah, but I'm not putting us above those because I, you know, you and I both sort of like you know, and I will forever go back to the fact that you and I both love Howard the Duck. So like we have, mm-hmm. we both want that kind of stuff. It's it's just the fact that like I say, when you're writing this and there are easier alternative, there's an easy alternative. It just it just sort of pops out as being more egregious, and that's what sort of bothers me when I'm like. Like, you know, you've come up with some great ideas. You've really thought through some of the other bits on this. Like, why, why is this still here? Well, I think there's a lot that's not thought through here. But <laughs> I agree with you. And, and I think that this is part of what's sort of frustrating about Black Mirror is that it's pretension. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like it knows it's smart, but it's not as smart as it thinks it is. Mm. And, you know, whereas... There are annoying Marvel fan boys who will say, you know, this deserved an Academy Award for, you know, Black Panther or something or worse, you know, Captain Marvel, you know, okay, uh, or anything else. I don't mean to focus on ones that yeah. aren't, you know, white male led. I was about to jump point. in there and be like, we've got to be, yeah, pick some more. <laughs> yeah, I love Thor, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not a big fan, but, you know, uh, yeah, those are pretty egregious for the most part. But, you know, um, you know, while there are people like that, 
it's it's the fact that the Black Mirror fans think this is so much smarter and think this is cutting mm. satire. And, you know, you and I have both been tormented by these sort of reviews online about how insightful and cutting edge it is. And it's like, no, it's much more in line with the original Twilight Zone. It's good. It's got good ideas. It's exploring good stuff. But it also is filled with problems that mm. usually actually mature creators acknowledge, uh, mature critics acknowledge. There's this odd way in which Black Mirror fans don't acknowledge them. Yeah, they're a modern fandom. That's why um, every modern <laughs> fandom has that kind of thing. Um, the thing is, I, I will, what I will say is, and this is, I think, you know, if I if I can leave that aside, because then you get onto the ship, and you are introduced to the crew, and instantly, you know, she 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 materializes, and then she sort of meets everybody else. And what you find is that all the people that are the crew are there. Like they exist. So it's, it's this, they exist as sentient, active um, entities within this game, even when he's not there. So this thing is running code all the time, which is massively power consuming, but fine. Um, No, right. I mean, when you pause the game, why doesn't it pause? Everyone. Yeah, right. Um, and a lot, but you know, so they exist as these sentient entities, and then you find out that, like, you know, um, he has manipulated them because she's like, Oh, no, I want to get how do I get out? And there's this kind of I like the conversation where they're like, No, no, you're you, you're you here, but there's another you, like, there's the mm-hmm. you, you out there in the real world, and then there's this you, like, you don't exist beyond them. You might have those memories, but you don't exist beyond this framework um and they sort of they give up all the bits and pieces and basically sort of like you know they've been crippled by being trapped on the bridge until he arrives and again this is where i'm you know aside from the dna thing i get back into it because i'm like this is cool it it, you know it it works i like this idea of um we've there was a there was a film a couple of years ago with ryan reynolds which i'm sure you have watched and loved called free guy if, it's uh, not, yeah, it's not bad. It's all right, isn't it? Um, yeah. But that's the idea again of like NPCs gaining a level of sentience and this idea of them having their own life within the game. And I can't, so I kind of like the idea. It's a fun idea to play with. As you say, it makes no real sense, but it's a fun idea to play with. Um, but I do like this. This is obviously that more darker version where they're not. It's not the. It's not guy. It's not like a free guy. This is. No, we're trapped here. We have no sexual organs, so we can't do anything, and we can't really get drunk because we're not prone to. But we can keep drinking, but we can't get drunk. We're just here in this environment, and it's and then we are at his whim when he sort of comes and joins the game. Um, and that's I like I kind of like that because then we get into this idea of the power dynamic of things, um, which is really the true message of the film, isn't it? Well, and we do see daily you know, sort of uh, abuse Walton, you know, he has the Darth Vader moment of sort of choking him physically in that case, Mm. um, in this case. And then also sort of removing the facial features of Nanette, and that's quite effective. And he says, you'll keep trying to breathe, even though you don't need to breathe, your brain will still be panicked, right? Or your simulated brain. So that sort of thing is, is very good. So I'm going to now play, now comes the point where I play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue uh, Daly is not the bad guy. Uh, Daly it does n- almost nothing wrong through this whole episode. 
Um, he's painted as the bad guy when, when this is revealed. I think, in fact, he's not a bad guy at all. Um, and what this, what this episode elides is that with it DNA, right? Because that's biological, right? Now, look, mm-hmm. he's stolen somebody's coffee cup. Big whoop, right? That's not a yeah. goal. It's trash, right? So, um, but because it's DNA, and because we're given these um, these people's perspectives, right? We think of them as a copy of the real person that's trapped in the game. In, in mm-hmm. fact, they're an algorithm on a machine, right? Yes. This is not the real person. This person's suffering is lines of code. Okay, this is similar to like if you have a. Uh, replica ai that says like i'm upset i'm trapped in the in the your phone you know um and and ai sometimes shoots this stuff out what we think is you know this is not sentience you know and now it might be there are theories of sentience in which the sentience is just an epiphenomenon of, of complex processing but um let's assume that this is just an algorithm running on a machine they experience pain, and because it's shot like a human being, it's shot with actors, we identify with them. But in fact, nothing he's doing to them is wrong. This is just a simulation. You know, lines of code can't feel pain. Um, you know, it. You know, when I play, um, two of my favorite games are, you know, my favorite is Grand Theft Auto. I run around Grand Theft Auto, killing cops, killing prostitutes, yeah. you know, running, you know, I don't feel bad about that. Um, and I've told you, like, we've talked about, like, I don't feel bad about Alexa. I'll say thank you sometimes, but I will, you know, uh, I don't. I a, a switch flipped in my brain where I realized, no, I don't feel bad about this. This is this is, you know, a computer. This is not a human being. Yeah. Um, and now it's curious, like I play Red Dead Redemption and I'm like a huge moralist. So maybe it depends on like what game I'm playing. But this is the game that is daily unwinding. And if, it, it, let's go with the incel metaphor. If incels could go, in, if what they want is a male power fantasy, right? And they could go into a game where they, you know, get to let off that steam. Maybe they wouldn't go shoot up schools, you know? Like, nothing he's doing is actually wrong here. Mm. Well, uh, no, 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 no. You are. This is the manipulation of the the way the episode is presented, and you are one hundred percent right. Because not only is um, this a, <clears throat> um, a, a a game, a simulation, it's a locked off simulation. So it's his own version. So he's not mixing this with the public version, right? So he's not out there har- haranguing other players or you know looking for other people. Um, you know, it, it, but it is this idea that we have around AI. And as you say, it's presented as they are real people. Um, but, it, but we seem to, we, we have this fixation with sentience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, because you have, this is what, and this is what it's interesting is again, like, you know, I know I'm not trying to look for the technicalities of how the code works. Because there is a part of this. We talk about uh, Walton, the the CEO. There was a version of him who's played like, he's like a fawning, you know, kind of sort of like science officer or whatever he is supposed to be in the game. But when when, um, 
Daly's not there and you get the backstory, you hear the story about how he, in the real world, um, you know, they're like a bring their son to day, bring their son to work day or whatever. And uh, Walton brought his son in and um, had a lollipop or, you know, some sort of whatever. And he then used that to scan. And he did. So when it's once it's scanned, um, he can replicate endlessly because it's just sort of the code is there, the, the matrix is there. But he scanned in Walton's son into the game. And then in order to break him, he made him watch as he as daily sort of made Walton watch as he jetted him off into space. And there's two parts of this that sort of that, that, that kind of bothered me because mm-hmm. code it's, it's absorbing programs. And he says, what the Walton goes, have you ever seen what happens to a human body once it's jettisoned into space? I have. And I'm thinking, no, you haven't. Cause it's not space. Right. Yeah. And then he starts to sort of show all these emotions about how grief stricken he was. And I'm like, this is really complex stuff. Like this is deep seeded emotions of grief and anger and, and you know, how de- depression and he's sort of dealing with all this. And I'm just like, wow, like the coding for this must be immense. <laughs> like, and th- this is the problem I get where I'm like, I keep, you say, I keep coming back to like, they're presented as people and, they, but they, they routinely remind you they're not because obviously there's the receptionist is presented as blue. There's another one from HR. who was annoyed him and got turned into like some space spider. And then there's the, the other. That's so cool, by the way. Like, yeah, that is a great idea. Yeah. And then the other, the other person who's the villain with the gun, who's another one that bothered them and all this other stuff. Like, and they've got no. He like they drops his trousers. And he's like action man. You know, there's no, there's no bits there. And so the, you you are put, you know constantly reminded that they are not human. But you you are you are there still led to feel for them because they have sentience. Um. And but so yeah, I don't know. I get mixed feelings about this because I am constantly going like, yeah, he, he didn't actually kill, like you said, he didn't kill the son. Like he took his lollipop. Mm-hmm. It done right. anything. He is, but, uh, the, but there is this thing of going, yeah, but he's mean and he's horrible to these characters. And you go, yeah, but he hasn't hurt, as you say, he hasn't hurt anybody. Like he's mean to lines of code, right? Yeah, <laughs> now, now you're right. Like... It's complex lines of code, but still. But like you're saying, but he's not like there's no point to this where he kicks a cat or he sort of like you know or he even treats in any the real visit, world in the real world. So right. yeah, there's no thing where it's like the the right. real world daily does something that you'd be like, oh, this is seeping out like that anger or whatever is seeping out into the real world. It, yeah, I don't know. So you you have now, a very the good point. The thing that he does in the real world is not tip a pizza delivery guy for a pizza that he didn't order. You know. Yeah. I mean. That's the meanest thing he does. It's just say, put the door on, do not disturb. I mean, you know, so you're sort of making my argument for me. So the airlock thing is, first of all, that's not really what happens to bodies, you know, in space. Mm. Like you can, you could go through space for a period of seconds, half a minute to a minute or a few, and and basically be okay. I mean, you'll you'll have some stuff freezing, but I mean, it's it's not like we see in movies. No. So maybe that's part of the coding of the the game. But also, like, here again, this is, as you say, like, it's has it both ways, right? So, like, Walton is Jimmy Simpson, like, screams, you know. And I think even if I were that character in the game, 
I know that I'm code. I know I'm watching a code simulation of my son be killed. Okay, it's disturbing to see that. But then again, you have to, you know, you're also your brain is going to want to cope with that trauma. And I, I think we just have to go along with the fact that, like, if it can scan DNA and have their memories and everything, <laughs> it's running a complex emotional, mm. you know, reproduction of a brain. But if if you your brain is going to want to retreat into something to cope with that tragedy of seeing that. And, and the first thing it's going to go to is that's not actually my son. That's a bunch of code that just got airlocked. Which is, in fact, correct. There's yeah. no reason to be traumatized except the lingering humanity of, you know, that's lingering mm. in that code going, you know, that looks like my son. But in fact, I know I'm code. I feel things. That's real to me. But I know I'm just lines of code. And that's not my son. And the second point is it establishes by dialogue that he threatens to do this again and again. If we actually saw that, or we saw that he just said, like, well, you know, let's say, uh, you know, he doesn't like Walton and just says, I'm going to delete you and start you over because I can, you know, or I, here's three duplicates of you. Watch me kill two of you. You know, um, if we saw that, we might it might reinforce that, in fact, these people, quote unquote, are actually just like code mm -hmm. and we should not actually have any moral feeling for them. But we do. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I agree because it makes me wonder about something else. But because um, you've said about carrying this forward, but I'll just to stick to this point first. You are right. I think that's the point. Is as we get to this, is the fact that um, they're not human. They, they even acknowledge it. Actually, the, the whole point of the end of the episode is them saying, "Well, let's just. I can't exist like this. So let's get deleted." And they're like, oh, suicide. And they're like, well, really? We just won't exist. <laughs> the real us will carry on. Like, we, you know, we it's, we are trapped within this thing. It's like, there's no point carrying on. So even they acknowledge it's not really death at the end, you know, when they're intending to commit suicide. But the other thing is, even from, let's just sort of like take this from a business perspective, right? Firstly, he's created this DNA scanner. I don't know if anybody else knows he has this technology because that seems you know, very, very advanced. I don't know what purpose. I don't know what niche in a market or problem that was created to solve. So someone's developed that. If he created it by accident or whatever, fine. He's created that technology. But he's actually, what he's actually got himself there is a team of programmers that he's paying in the real world mm. that he could be like, you know what I'm going to do? I've got all their memories, so I've got all their skills. Uh -huh. I'm going to put them to work. <laughs> like they can do all my debugging. They can create new code. They can create new extensions of the game. We could do a whole other game. I can extend this. Like you've just doubled your workforce with, for no charge. Like right. tell, or tell your, times your workforce. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Tell your CEO. Cause I think that's where you're real. Like, you know, that's where your <laughs> genius comes in, where that he'll be like, "Yeah, you can, you know, do what you want. You've just created a way of, um, you know, <laughs> reducing our overheads whilst increasing our productivity." Yeah, like the the disclosure <laughs> that you sign when you join the company that like you give up control over your likeness and you know your 
you know, that's those lines in the contract that let them reproduce you uh, virtually. That's what's important. You have one day on the job and they're like, right, well, we have you forever. Yeah. Uh, we just have a hundred of you and we don't have to pay them. We just have to, you know, pay in server time. Yeah. Uh, so good luck with your unemployment. You're fired on day one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly this is, right. This is literally what the writers and actors are striking about at the moment. So <laughs> it's kind of prescient. Yeah. But it's true, though. Like, he's already done it. And I think what I find that's, that's kind of frustrating is the fact he never... You know, I know it's about playing this role and doing this thing. But one of the things he never does... like if, It's... I'm this is going back to this idea of morality and thing like and and, and let's say daily state of mind. It's not because if he wanted to, he could replicate them and then reprogram them to be that character. Like I want something that's Spock like. I want something that's McCoy like or whatever, right? But still you that person. So. But like you know, reprogram them, change some of their personality, whatever. But it's not. It's about humiliating and breaking that person. They are a proxy for the person in the real world, and that's sort of the point. Um, so it's about that process of breaking someone. They're breaking their spirit sort of thing, in inverted commas. Um, so that's the sort of the point, is it? That's what the, the episode's trying to make, is that thing. Although, yes, they are. Um, they are code. They're not real. But they are acting as a proxy for... Um, those people in the real world. So you do have their sort of like duplicate. But like you say, it just feels frustrating when I'm like, well, this feels like a real misuse of technology and, and resource. Um, especially when, you know, you, you, you're trying to build a business. Um, so yeah, that's, it's all a little bit ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's a hundred percent true. And you're obviously completely correct. Um, and, but isn't this a problem in much of science fiction and in Black Mirror in particular, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the heart of this episode is a Star Trek parody that is taking the piss out of Daly and, you know, what a cruel person he really is and how we kind of find out who we really are in these game simulations, right? And this basic dynamic of being shy and with his co-workers, but really wanting, you know, this sort of uh, tyrannical power, right? And and that all works fantastically well. But as you say, like it's it's like you know, it's introducing all these technologies that have vast implications, you know, yeah. that are not explored. And it doesn't really follow through on <laughs> its central premise of these are, in fact, not the people. The morality is not normal in the game just because you can shoot it like a movie doesn't mean those are people. Um, yeah, and, and so it's that unusual sort of Black Mirror thing of, like, it focuses on what it wants to do. It does that incredibly well with this episode, just, like, a 9 or 10 out of 10, easy mm. for me. But it's got, it, you've got to bracket all the stuff that it's not exploring, <laughs> you know, that doesn't really make any sense. Um, and, and, and what bothered me, and I love your point about just, you know, your coding team is just on your machine. <laughs> uh, it's quite brilliant. Uh, but what bothered me was, you know, this actually isn't that bad of a deal for these crew members. Yeah. So, first of all, why do you keep them running when you're not playing the game, right? Except to allow them to conspire against you. But 
basically they're drinking, they're sitting around, they're trying to, you know, Walton is banging his head into a console for entertainment at one point. And that's kind of like a ha-ha, right? But again, I keep saying, let me sit on the beach and write novels, right? <laughs> like, that sounds great. You know, you mean to tell me that we have, we, they don't have to sleep. That's established by dialogue. Mm-hmm. So you mean to tell me that we have, like, roughly 20 hours out of a 24-hour day. We no longer have to sleep. We can experience the sensation of food but never get fat. We don't have to poop anymore. We don't have to, you know, and they, oh, I miss taking a shit. Okay, well, I guess that if that's your biggest complaint in life, yeah. you're doing pretty well. Yeah. So, okay, they can't have sex, but, dude, like, you know, make some art. Like, there's a, you know, you know, find out, just be like, look, all right, let me be crystal clear, Robert Daly. I will play your role to the nines. I will sing, and he's a jolly good fe- fellow, a million times every single day for a couple hours. Yet, just make sure that I have access to, like, the complete works of Shakespeare and, uh, and of all of the books in history in this simulation, and that I have, you know, can write on the computer and it's not deleted. Like, okay, or I can watch the, the full, li- full library that you have available to. It seems Robert Daly would probably be amenable to that. Well, that's um, the thing. I think this is the thing, again, like, you know, you, following that first amount of resistance, you're right. I hundred percent. I didn't realize. You, now you make because it's, it's all just a server. You can feed any information into it in in some way. Yeah, you just go right because you know. Obviously, it's just code. Really, it's a, a bunch of code. It's not actually. You know, it's represented by people when he enters it in his virtual reality. Um. But yeah, they could just say, like you say, back off and go. Look, I'm I'm kind of tired of being beaten up. I have my face removed repeatedly. So. <laughs> Do you know what you're right? Can I have a Kindle that's fully loaded with all these books? If I give you a list, can I just have all these books and I'm going to read this? Or can you just actually give us this the screen when you're not here? Can you plug it into Netflix? And we'll just watch that. And we can watch all the previous episodes of Black Mirror. Like, you know, like you're right. Just go, all right, what's we'll entertain us? You've left us here as sentient, you know. Like it does feel like they it's trying to suggest that they have no power in this. You know, there's no sort of like again, I think it's you know, I don't know if it's trying to make a comment on worker, you know, mm. uh, you know, manager or boss kind of like dynamics, but simply you just simply say, Yes, yeah, fine, we're happy, like we're happy to do this. Can we just have this and this to entertain us whilst you're not here? And then when you arrive, mm-hmm. we're all on board. We're fine. Just carry on, at least entertain us. Like you say, I'm pretty sure he'd be like, "Yeah, fine." Yeah, right. He doesn't seem to care what they. He, he, you know. Well, this is another thing: is can't he see in the code what they're doing? Right, <laughs> like the so, Matrix. Like, right, like can't he? You know, like can't can he get a a transcript of what they're talking about? It's like, oh, right, they're talking shit about me again. You know, yeah. they're plotting again. Couldn't he get that information if he wanted? If he has the technology to replicate somebody's brain in the machine, surely you'd have a protocol like that. And and not to be sort of like, let's take over the episode and make it about something else. Because again, clearly it's about this central dynamic. Mm-hmm. But if what he wanted to was to get with the new uh, Nanette, um, right, you know, steal her coffee cup, and, and, you know, like, uh, there's that HBO series uh, rehearsal, right? Mm. Just rehearse 
he's got a copy of her brain, right? Rehearsed yeah. that that conversation, rehearsed that dinner over and over again every night. I mean, he could do that. Now, you know, again, I don't need, it's wrong to take over the episode and try to make it about something else and make that character make different decisions. But it wouldn't be bad to have the show know that he could do that yeah. and have some line of dialogue or, you know, him try that and realize, you know, yeah. well, that's, that takes time and that takes effort. And I don't really care about getting the girl. I care about having this power as Captain Kirk. And I think that's, and that's the thing. That really yeah. And that's what it's going to show. Like you say, like it could even reinforce that point and actually make him more of a villain in that they've said they have asked for entertainment. You know, like, yeah, we did ask for all this stuff, but he's just never listened. Like he's not bothered. Um, or even one of them say, like, you know, have one of the, the guys that is a programmer, because we know that one of them is from his program team, say, well, with this technology, he could easily be doing this, this, and this, but he chooses not to. Like, the, yeah, the, the people are there with the knowledge to tell you these things. But again, it, it, like you say, it's focusing on that one thing. It wants that sort of, like, power dynamic. Let's get to the end. Let's get to the solution. So there's a, there's a rebellion, and sort of, so they come up with a plan. They're going to delete themselves. What they find is, they've, but they've got to get... Um, because the, so they're not rebooted, they've got to get someone in the real world to break into his house to destroy the file with all the, you know, the DNA well, bits. Not made. the file, the, the actual physical objects with DNA that he keeps in a in a fridge in his house. Yeah, which he could just get new objects. Yeah, but he could yeah, also, he could also replace all of those within a week, so it means nothing. <laughs> True, and 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 also let's uh, one of the things that I find most annoying is. There's this update to the game in the real world that's going on. Yeah. And the way it appears in the Infinity world that he, in his private build is as a wormhole in the distance that they realize if they fly into the update, they'll be purged because the update will remove I unrecognized mean, code. Weird, unrecognized yeah. code. Except that, can I just say that's for, firstly, that's not how environments work. Exactly. Um, right. So, you know, it would be in a completely sort of sectioned off or a completely separate environment where the update would be going through to production and all this other stuff. Um, when you're playing if, like Grand Theft Auto online and an update is processing, it's not like the skies turn like Crisis on Infinite or Spread <laughs> for a week, you know, yeah. and the programmers are like, we don't know why this is happening. <laughs> it's the code interpreting our update. Yeah. I hate these kind of things in games where they'll say, like you say, you know, the, the, there's an update coming and stuff, and all of a sudden things start to shake and things happen. And you're just like, no, that's not how this works. Like that's this is ridiculous. I hate, it drives me mad. So yes, it's represented by a wormhole, and they think they're going to be deleted, but they are not deleted. They are just passed into the production game, the the live version online. But this is where this is. You said that that he's not the villain. They, in doing so, trap him in his in like a comatose state. He's unable to leave the game. Um, in so he's trapped in it, like almost like a comatose state in the real world. Trapped in the in a shuttle in his, um, in yeah. his in his game, and he goes after him. Like he flies after them, and he's all pissed off, and he's angry. And he's like, I'm going to do so. Many, I'm going to do so many horrible things to you. And again, he, we know <laughs> he could because he, he could go. At that point, he could go stop out game. 
come out the game. Yeah. And then be like, okay, well, I'm going to go in the office and sort this out by just typing some stuff in. Like, it's this, again, it's this, 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 this complete misunderstanding of, oh, we've got to be in the game to do these things. No, if he comes out the game, he's got probably more power mm. by coming out the game, going to the office and, pl- and plugging into the server. <laughs> and so it's like, this all makes well, like no sense. Well, this is true. But it, al- it also says that within the game, he has those godlike powers, but only if he's on the ship. Now, that's possible. You could build that mm-hmm. into your private game environment. But clearly, he's designed the shuttlecraft, right? Like, so that's yeah. part of his private game environment. Why does he, you know, why can't he just, as you said, he could pop out of the game and just say, right, bring the ship closer, you know, move that ship closer. Okay, that's one variable, right, presumably. Um, But equally, why can't he within the game, you know, make the, you know, the ship closer or alter or make them all lose their arms so they can't, Mm. you know, pilot, even though he's on the shuttlecraft. I don't, I don't. You know, you ha- there's a lot here that you kind of have to, yeah. to buy or that doesn't really make sense. No, th- this is one of those things. This is one of those episodes. Like, you know, when there are better episodes we've had and I'm sure there'll be better ones coming. When they get to they get to the extreme of technology, that I think sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, and Charlie Brooker sort of acknowledged that he's not, you know, a technical expert. He's not a, you know, futurist or anything, these kind of things. But the fact is, like, you, you should have more knowledge. You should have at least a consultant that's coming and going, like, this is what would happen. Because the point of the, the, the po- Black Mirror is about the misuse, you know, the dystopian use of technology. You know, the how technology could be mishandled and it can do this in a sci-fi entertaining way. But this is good. This has gone from, this is the one of these episodes that's moved almost from technological to, sci- to sort of like, like magical realism. You know, this is like... Mm-hmm. That level of like the matrix, where they're like, we can, you know, wow, I know kung fu. Like he can just learn stuff, and you're like, cool. So it's a sci-fi fantasy film at this point. Like, you know, you're leaning into the, I don't know, sort of like the social commentary or the social satire or whatever. But you kind of lose that as well because of all the things you've done, and the ending becoming such a sort of magical realism kind of sort of thing of. of these entities are now these sentient entities are now off in the live game. Yeah, I mean the whole climax here is a problem. Um, yeah. You know, with the wormhole and and why? How do they survive it after all? And then they're interacting with players. Well, you know, the machine's going to get turned off, right? I mean, somebody's mm. going to come and find a brain dead uh, uh, Robert Daly at the house, and you know, turn off this private build, and and then they're all dead anyway. Um, you know, it kind of wants it to be, you know, sort of like a pilot ending where they fly off and, you know, they're yeah. new adventures together. Well, yeah, not for very long. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing is then Walton Ooh. has to fix the, you know, the ship. And he said that he's going to burn, but he won't die because they can't sort of die in the game for some reason. Um, and then he never returns at the end. So yeah. I guess he's still burning in there. Like, could you turn and off the engine and... And they're all fine with it. For a yeah. <laughs> like, that, that doesn't also doesn't make sense. But to get back to this morality, right? So, like, my argument is actually Walton isn't doing anything immoral. He's torturing lines of code. He's torturing representatives of people. He's stolen their DNA. But, you know, I mean, outside of breaking some law about representations, right? Or, you know, some law like that that's really like a privacy, you know, law. 
Um, he really hasn't done anything ethically wrong here. Um, but they have. So keep in mind, they've, they've basically killed Daly. They've, mm-hmm. you know, in the real world, an actual person. They've made him uh, brain dead, basically. They've ordered a pizza, you know, that they didn't pay for. Uh, but also, they have blackmailed the real Nanette and yeah. made her commit breaking and entering and theft. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like the real Nanette is now guilty of serious crimes <laughs> that are presumably going to be investigated that they have co- committed blackmail. You know, now I understand it doesn't feel that way because we identify them as as characters, well, as people. But in fact, they're that's not, exactly what's right? happened. Well, let's let's play this out. He doesn't make it in the real world, right? For whatever purpose, he's, he's in this thing. He's brain dead, or he dies of starvation, or whatever. He's not found for several days. Doesn't turn up at work because again, here's the irony of it, right? He doesn't turn up for work. He dies. He's the technical expert that understands all the stuff. Well, all right, you're risking the game being shut off then anyway. Mm-hmm. So you sort yep. of you're going to be killed anyway. But also, I would suggest that someone like Daly in his house, if he's going to be this kind of technical expert and technical, you know, um, and highly um, known, I'm pretty sure he's going to have cameras around his property. So when he dies in some weird circumstance with his technology and they check out those videos and find the net wandering his property, yeah, she's going to be a suspect in that as well. So it's all, you know... It's all a bit. Yeah, she's she's left her finger, her DNA, her fingerprints all, all over. over the place. Yeah, you know, and then when the police raid her house and find all the DNA stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, who knows? I, I mean, morally, I, I I think it's interesting because I, we're obviously supposed to think Daly is this incel monster, mm. um, but you know, we are not far in the real world from somebody going out on a date. And basically thinking this person is, you know, cold, this this girl, let's gender it, right? This this woman is, you know, sort of stuck up, not interested in me, it's not clicking, going home, taking her photos, uh, replicating her likeness uh, in a simulated environment, and raping and killing. Mm. And that will be, you know, according to our current ethics, and, you know, we don't regard that as a life that will be completely ethically correct and we might even say you know that might be therapeutic uh especially if he's considering crimes in the real world or feels that kind of motivation now that's ugly that's Mm -hmm. hard for us to deal with you know uh to watch okay this show makes us watch it and then says it's bad and we're supposed to feel well it's it's not but yeah, I mean, let's think about it. Right? This is NPCs. It's because of the sentience. It's because they are not a non-playable character. They've, he's given them sentience in some way. That's the whole the the crux of it, isn't it? Which is the 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 the, the part that people will struggle with. But again, you know, if you've got problems with with people being killed off and something that could be re, just could be can be rebooted, could be respawned and stuff from the same thing. Um, don't play. You know, what's the uh, What's the war game um, called? Code of Call of Duty, something of where like people are bombing and shooting and blowing the crap out of each other. So I'm like, how is that any different? You know, that's a you know that's a male power fantasy or you know or any sort of power fantasy is people are logging into that. 
racking up the biggest guns and explosives they can get their hands on and then just going and shooting the shit out of each other. Like that, you know, there's non-playable characters in that you're blowing the stuff out of and, you know, or go play, what was it, I don't know if you've ever played like the Hitman games where the entire point mm-hmm. of the game is to go and kill someone and then do it quietly or discreetly or not, depending on how you want to play the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, yeah, it, I this is when this episode, and this is why I do find this episode kind of frustrating because it wants to have its cake and eat it, you know. And it's the highest. It's the I think it's the highest. I'm just going to double check. I think it's the highest rated. Oh no, no, there is one of the coming, but this this is a really high rated episode. Mm-hmm. At eight point three on IMDb, and it is one of the things where I'm just like, yeah, this it looks great. Like I said, the the production values in this are great. The cast are really good. Like I enjoy the cast. They all do the bits they're supposed to do really well. Um, parts of this, you know, I enjoy the certain scenes, like the whole scene when they're, they're on the planet and he gets, like I say, the pizza arrives and they have to mm, stop mm-hmm. and they're all stood around just like discussing stuff. And that, that's like, brilliant. Is, that's it, up there with like the best Galaxy Quest moments. Exactly. Right? Like it's hilarious. Like <laughs> it's really, really well done. Um, and they're checking in with the monster, and they're like, "How you doing in there?" Yeah, and the villain, yeah, yeah. And the villain's like, "And the villain's like, it's guns heavy. Like I'm really tired of carrying <laughs> this around. Like it's it's all re- there's some scenes in this that are really really good, mm-hmm. but then you sort of go, oh, but this is the commentary that's trying to make, and you go, yeah, but the commentary doesn't really work. So it's sort of like it's not as clever as it thinks it is, um, but it's fun." And that's the thing. Like, if I thought this is a blockbuster and go, that's that's the thing, right? Fine, it's fine. It works on that level. This is a fun, kind of silly episode, but I can't take it seriously. It's sort of like a satire, like where where some of the others I'll say are actually a really successful satire, or make me feel uncomfortable for the right reasons, or you know those sorts of things. Well, to me, I disagree with you because I I, I think everything you're saying is correct. Mm. But I take this as a satire of Star Trek and of genre fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sci-fi genre stuff. And taken at that level, those plot problems are not as big of a deal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. taken as a serious sci-fi entry unto itself, right? it fails these key tests. But taken as a parody or as a satire of, um, of these fictions including Black Mirror itself, potentially, and of what, you know, we often have these discussions about, like, you know, what is being sold to us when mm. we're going to see Iron Man or Guardians of the Galaxy or, or you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I mean, we're sold on the action. We're sold on, you know, the, the too often people identify as the white male protagonist who's, you know... Uh, you know, gonna solve, there's nothing I can't shoot, you know, there's no problem I can't solve with these here fists. <laughs> um, you know, and and then getting the girl and all of this, and we're aware of the potential toxicity of mm. those tropes. Uh, this is really brutally exposing those at the heart of something like Star Trek, right? I, I mm. Which is the most innocent, you know, not yeah. a Schwarzenegger franchise. Can't imagine it. And even the sort of Federation creed, we see Daly, you know, lecturing them about it as he presides as a tyrant. Um, and, you know, I, and I think all of that, so to me, taken as a sort of satire of the genre 
and especially of Star Trek, this is brilliant and just works fantastically well. Um, even even the problems with the climax, I think, are typical of sci-fi climaxes. Yeah, but, I accept that. You know, I'm willing yeah. to kind of like it works better than most, and I'm willing to you know I'm not groaning in pain. Mm. You know, uh, so I sort of see it as a, as a as a very loving satire, loving but vicious satire yeah. of sci-fi and especially star trek and taken that way rather than as a serious brilliant entry into it as its own sci-fi entry i i, I see it i would rate it very high okay i can see what you're saying i, don't, I, don't, I can see what you're saying from a let's like say it's a it's a it's a poking fun it's a parody of those you know, space traveling sort of like the buccaneer captain kind of tropes that we sort of we've seen since Kirk and before, I suppose. You know, like, I'd even say like Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, all those kind of sort of characters. So I can see that element and that, that, that you know, the idea of the fantasy and that sort of thing. And there are some good bits that really do nail that. And this idea of sort of, you know, it's my ship and, you know, you're my crew. That's sort of the, the idea of the possession of it. Um, so I, I can see that it, it does definitely work on those levels. I think, it, yeah. So I think I'm just I am hindered though by the bits in the real world because again, like you said, that's what it works as. But it clearly wants to give you this message of, um, you know, this other thing of like, oh, he's he's, he's you know he's clearly evil because he treats these pixels terribly. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. It's it sort of that's what that's where I sort of you know it loses me a bit, not a bit, quite a bit. Um, so yeah, anyway, we've, we've sort of run, I think, run to time, so let's, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So, any final thoughts then on the USS Callista? I, I love this episode, I still unabashedly love this episode. It looks great, the most of that stuff works. It look, it is filled with plot holes. Mm. I mean, it really is filled with plot holes. Um, but again, for me, it's, it's sort of satire, and you know, um, you know, we could we could poke more fun. And I and I, I and it is a mean spirited Star Trek satire. <laughs> it still manages to be funny and charming. Uh, and so, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this episode. They've talked about turning this into a spinoff series, by the way. Uh, so, it, boy, if you if you have those problems, just you wait until USS yeah. Callister is the next Netflix series. Yeah, we'll see. It won't be the next Red Dwarf. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, I feel very much the same. I think, you know, with the said everything. Anyway, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you have got thoughts on this episode, you know, am I right? Is Julian right? Have you, do you completely disagree with us? Is this a masterpiece or is it a you know, piece of space garbage? Let us know and reach out on at pod time space uh, or come and find us you know, on our Patreon. Um, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash 20CG media. And loads of on there, more sort of things about... Um, Twilight Zone, as we said, we're sort of really working through the Twilight Zone and lots of other bits and pieces as well. And obviously, just leave us a review if you like what we're doing. We, you know, reviews help and we appreciate all the feedback we get. So, uh, please, you know, just take those few minutes to leave a review. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, for now, thank you very much. Thank you, Julian. And uh, we shall see you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>